Are you new to teaching elementary music or do you feel like you're just spinning your wheels every day in your classroom? Maybe you're overwhelmed and honestly just don't know where to go for advice and mentorship. Hi, I'm Jessica, and when I'm not drinking all the coffee, watching Razorback sports, or hanging out with my family of boys, it's my passion to help elementary music teachers just like you teach your students by using your unique personality and teaching style. In this podcast, you'll find helpful tips, strategies, and ideas that will help you kick that stress to the curb and begin teaching music with confidence. Let's get started. I asked my sister to come and join me on the podcast. She is a teacher herself and she, I'm going to pick her brain about some things. And I told her, I just wanted to feel like a conversation because she is my sister. And so I just want this to be fun. And I hope you guys are going to get something from this and just laugh right along with us. So with that said, Geraldyn, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what you teach and you're a little bit about your personal life and yeah, like where are you now in education? I currently am titled an ESL teacher, but this is my ninth year. I just completed nine years. Um, I just completed 17 years of total teaching. Whoa, that's crazy. Before that, I taught third and fourth grade. Um, one year of third grade in Oklahoma, I mean, fourth grade in Oklahoma, and six, no, three years of third grade in Texas, and then four years of fourth grade in Texas. That's a long time to teach, sister. And then the rest here. Yeah. Yeah, you've kind of done it. <laughs> you've done a lot. And I, yeah. uh, in Texas, I did a dual language program where I would teach the English side, hmm. and then my partner taught the Spanish, and the kids would flip classes every other day. So she would only teach their academics in Spanish, and I would only teach it in English. So we had to be teaching the exact same thing every day. Anyway, currently, <sighs> I am titled, titled ESL teacher, but I am my principal... Um, doesn't necessarily agree with the pullout method so I am more of a facilitator with teachers mm-hmm. I help I don't know um, plan lessons to help kids grasp linguistic things within content like their second language within content rather than teaching it separate mm. So your school, I don't know if you know the percentage wise, but what percentage of, if you could take a guess, you may probably know the numbers knowing you, but what, what percentage of the kiddos at your school are uh, English as their second language? I actually don't know because it changes so much every year. Mm, that's um, true. Our population changes a lot, but I think last year we ended with 70, like mm-hmm. right at 70%. Um, Hispanic wow. now not 70% second language mm-hmm. but 70% um Hispanic yeah so I know I know this well sort of I think I know your answer to this but I know yeah I'd like to hear it again <laughs> I know my listeners would love to know why did you decide to become a teacher in the first place oh I don't really think I decided I think 
God just put a calling on me in third grade. My third grade teacher, her name was Miss Stone. Yep. She uh, <laughs> was really strict and hard. But with that, she believed in me and didn't give me any excuses because I was a struggling learner. Mm. And she never um, quit. She, she just continued pushing me to do more and to do my best. So with so that year I knew I was going to be a teacher. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I remember Miss Stone. She was very strict because I had her. So here's the thing for people listening. I, Gerilyn and I are 17 months apart, but I was a grade behind her in school because of where our birthdays fell. And um, <laughs> teachers would always be like, you're Gerilyn's sister? Because we were more like now that we're adults, but growing up, let's be honest, we were completely different kids. <laughs> so <laughs> teachers would always look at me and we look completely different. Oh. I was blonde hair, blue eyed, dark, your dark hair, dark eyes, dark complexion. And we just would like, they're like, your sisters? What? I don't get it. <laughs> But yeah, Miss Stone was an amazing yep. teacher. Oh my gosh. Like she was one of those that did not let you get away with anything, but also just you left her class knowing every single multiplication fact you would ever want to know ever. Cause she, yeah, she didn't let you not, she didn't let kids fail, you know, push you to be your best. So I don't know. You just said something that made me want to ask you about this. You and I have had this conversation because those listening know I've talked about my oldest son before, and he is a special a special needs learner. Um, but you and I have discussed like growing up, the way special education looks now is completely different than it was when we were growing up. You and I have even talked about like I remember being in class myself and going, "Wait, I can't fit." Like tuning the teacher out. And then going, wait, what are we doing? Kind of looking around the room and just be like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I might've had a learning disability. You've said the same about yourself, you know, and like, but those services weren't provided then. So I just think it's so cool now. Do you have any advice for that? For uh, most of my listeners, well, let's be honest, it's the elementary music teacher podcast, our music teacher. So for any teacher in general, whether it's music or anything, what advice do you have for them? serving the special needs learners in their rooms oh i mean i guess like i just said with miss stone because it's my own personal philosophy is expect a lot because they can do it they get they they wrap them their minds up in their own little complex if they can't yeah um of course they'll need to be pushed and provided different scaffolds to help them reach, you know, proficiency, but don't quit and don't let them quit. Don't let their parents quit. Yeah. It's hard to know what's, what child is going to come through your classroom doors. You can learn everything through a textbook, like you said, but it's, it's knowing what kids you're teaching and learning ways to adapt instruction to meet the needs of those kids. And um, like you said, just don't give up and know that they can learn. And so I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. And so you have a degree. Tell everybody what your degree is in. You have two degrees, right? Um, well, no, I had a minor, early, elementary ed with a minor of early childhood. Okay. Well, that's what I, I knew you were, I knew you were both. I can't remember how, but I know that you had to take a semester of music appreciation and it was kind of hysterical to me watching you go through this class, if I can be honest, because for people listening, I'm not making fun of her, but I kind of am because she's my sister. We it was growing, terrible. 
see. Okay. I'm glad you said growing up when I say we're complete opposites, um, we're more alike in our personalities now, but let's, I went, I've always been musical. I've just had a musical gifting. It just was natural to me to just take music, Daryl and not so much. And so she had to take, um, music. I don't even know if it's called music appreciation. It was music, something for, you know, classroom teachers to know how to incorporate music if, in case there wasn't a music teacher, but uh i just think it's hard for people like you who are not naturally musical to just learn this and then go wait if i'm ever required to teach music how am i supposed to do this so with that said do you feel like that class like i know that was forever ago but have you ever had to use music or not have you had to but have you used music with your students in whatever capacity you're teaching them in to be honest, I have not lately. I think in Houston, I did with my kiddos that spoke zero English, like, but not, I don't know, more like rings, like riddles mm. that I would put into a sing song tone for them to learn specific building. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's music completely. So. so yeah do you feel like that helped them retain what they were learning a little bit especially because they they were learning to speak english at the same yeah, time oh yeah because yeah yeah they have something to latch it to in their brain i do right. it with my kid all the time when it's time to do her chores <laughs> or sing songs yeah i'm sure she Get enjoys your lovely singing voice sister <laughs> oh most definitely no, I can tell Eden. She loves music. She loves music at school, doesn't she? Yeah, she loves instrument days, especially. He'll in kindergarten. He would. That's really all he was doing was well, with the exception of preparing for a hot mess program. But he would introduce them to um, different instruments. He has tons of instruments because he's written tons of grants. Awesome. And he was a previous band director at the high school here. So um, he would just introduce him to a new one every week and he mm -hmm. would send me videos and pictures of her doing it. She loved it. It's so sweet. No, and I need to teach your daughter piano. It's been a conversation we've had for a long time. It's just getting her a keyboard, huh? But that's going to happen because I know Eden would pick it up super quick. <laughs> so yep. the other thing I want to ask you about is... There's sometimes, um, I hear from a lot of music teachers that I speak with that there sometimes feels like there's a disconnect between, they call it the music teacher island. Some teachers some, just use that phrase sometimes because in a school building, there are teams like fourth grade will plan together, third grade plan together, or sometimes the upper elementary and the lower elementary plan together. And when it comes to music, art, PE, computer library, that is the team. And although they understand each other because of the fact that they all teach a special subject, it's hard sometimes to, you know, collaborate and learn from each other because you teach totally different things. But do you feel like there's a disconnect between music teachers and regular classroom teachers? Or do you just feel like it is a matter of forming relationships and giving it time to develop? This year, our district adopted a new reading curriculum and he was very intentional at um, talking and planning with teachers about their units and incorporating those things into music. Like for instance, 
gosh, that was so long ago because of quarantine. Yeah, Fourth right. grade um, did a unit <laughs> did a unit on um, the heart, the central, the unit. Oh my gosh, the the heart, how the heart's made up, literally, and then they did a figurative side of the heart. Oh, cool. And he incorporated all that into their music class to help them to learn it because it was a hard curriculum. I mean, we got through mm -hmm. it and it was really good, but anyway, so I think it just depends on the flexibility, determination, and personality of the music teacher and the culture of the building. Mm, that's true. Like how teachers are led from their principal to work together. That's good. Yeah, totally. I love that. And I think it is sometimes about collaboration. And I know everybody's limited in their amount of time they see their students and the amount of time they can implement lesson plans. But talk to the classroom teachers. What do they need from you? How can they support you? They don't know to advocate for the music program if they don't know that what you're doing. So even if I've told teachers, invite the classroom teachers in, you know, maybe five minutes before their plan time's over and say, come watch what we're doing. And sometimes I think, I don't know, have you ever felt this way that sometimes other teachers are just unaware of what goes on in the music room because they're not vocalizing it or like you have a daughter who tells you. So a lot of the parent or the teachers who have kids that go to school, they will tell them what goes on in the music room. But for some teachers, I think maybe they're just unaware of what goes on in the music classroom. So inviting teachers in to just come and see sometimes I think is important. Would you agree with that? I definitely agree with that. Yes. Okay. So I think that's true within regular okay, ed and also music too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of oh, like, yeah, it's kind of both ways. I think music teachers misunderstand regular classroom teachers a lot too because they're not aware of what goes on in those classrooms. So it's about supporting each other. It should be a completely yeah. team effort. I agree with that completely. So I want to know from you, um, I've shared before, I don't remember much of elementary music because you and I school hopped a lot. Let's see, we went to what, four different elementary schools? Is that what it was? I'm pretty sure I'm counting my head. Kinder first, second, third half a third grade and the fourth and fifth. Yeah. So, but I don't remember elementary music much. Do you? No, I don't. I don't even remember that if we had a class. <laughs> right. You know who I do remember? And I don't remember her name, but the school was at Eastside Baptist School. Is that what it's called? Wow. My memory. Oh yeah. Okay. So I yeah. do remember the music teacher there. I don't remember her name, but I remember she held this bell. I don't know if she did that for your grade level, but she had this bell in her hand and would just like ding it as hard as she could in my eardrum for us to be quiet. And I remember thinking, I don't like this. Like, this is not fun. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm like, and then when I became a music teacher, that like flashed back into my brain because I thought I'm not doing that method. That's not a good classroom management idea at all to just ding a bell in kids' ears. <laughs> right. So I know it's, it's crazy as you grow up that you don't remember elementary music much. Um, I actually just talked to a former student of mine and he said he doesn't remember elementary music much, but what he does remember is the relationship I formed with him. And I think that can go for any teacher is, I mean, that goes for any subject. I don't remember like all the little details of everything I learned in every grade level and subject matter, but the teachers that stand out to me the most, like Miss Stone, are the ones who made it a point to form a relationship and made it a point to make sure the kids learn the best they could. I get letters from kids all the time for that reason. They're grown-ups now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree. So weird, isn't it? Like, makes they, they like- won't trust you to learn if they don't feel like you want that true relationship. Yep. How do you go about forming relationships with the kids? What are your favorite ways to do that? Just to talk to them? Or just them knowing you're there for them? Yeah, each kid is very different. Some of them need the softer, lovey-dovey side. Some of them need the tough love, I'm going to push you till you do it side. Mm-hmm. But any approach that you take, as long as it's that kid's personality, will um, form a bond and a relationship. Because then they know you care, they know that you notice them, and they know you see them, and they know that you believe in them. Yeah. You are seriously so motivating just because I know that you, I've seen you in action a few times I've been to your school, but also just from conversations I've had with you where you've told me you don't let the kids give up. Those kids who are like, I don't want to, or I can't, or this is too hard. You don't, you push them as much as they can be pushed without them feeling overwhelmed, but you're also like, you're not getting away with not doing this. And I think that is amazing. And have you gotten pushback from parents on that? Or do you feel like for the most part, they're like, thank you so much. Cause my child has been needing this for years and you came along and maybe did this. once every, maybe once every five years, we'll have one parent. But most of the time, no, it's also the demographics that I work with too, though. I work mm. on the other side of town where parents run the schools. It <laughs> might be different. Yeah. Oh yeah. So many different schools, huh? I mean, it really is true. And it's like, that is something that it's teaching the kids you have, teaching the students you have. If you're listening to this and you're teaching in totally, I know I have teachers I've taught to who teach at private schools, charter schools, public schools, different, you know, and all the public schools are different. You can't just say public schools, but they're all different. And no matter what teaching situation you're in, like you said, you can still meet your kiddos where they're at. You have to know your school demographic, your students, and teach to that. And even you can speak to this, Gerilyn, switching schools. It feels, does it feel like to you like you were almost a first-year teacher again at a brand new school because you're having to relearn everything, not everything about teaching, but the new school dynamics, your new students, your new teachers you're working with and that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. It takes at least three years to know the culture, to know who you can trust, to learn the parents and the cousins and the families. That's the biggest part. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Okay. So I want to ask you this. I only have a couple more questions. Working from home during COVID-19, you have a daughter who is going into first grade, which is so weird to me, by the way. So... (laughs) I mean, there's a whole lot you could say about this, but what was that experience like for you uh, as a teacher being thrown into this, you're going to work from home and teach virtually, but also you need to still quarantine school your child at the same time. What was that like for you? Like I said, it's a bit different for me because I'm not an actual classroom teacher right now, Mm. even though I think I'm definitely going back within two years. So I would be on calls all day with teachers during PLCs, grade level PLCs. And then the last, I guess, four weeks of it, I'm on the leadership team. So we were creating class lists for next year through Zoom. And um, so 
what I'm saying is thankfully at the beginning I was getting on teacher like classroom zooms Mm -hmm. to see the kids because I miss them so much yeah but at the end I was on teacher meetings so if I had to mute it to tell her to get busy while she was sitting right next to me I could and then my principal would text me and say be nice to her well, because she was on the same call, but so funny. it was a hot mess, especially with my husband in the other room working from home, also in our T90 house. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll just say that I think all of our stress stress went away, or actually temporarily at least, when summer hit, because mm-hmm. now I can mom and yeah. take, make sure she doesn't barge in the room where he is. <laughs> um, anyway. I don't, I try not to talk negative about it because, right. you know, there's so many good things that came out of it. I learned a lot more about technology. I learned a lot more about my daughter and her learning style. I, I don't know, but it was hard. The hardest thing I've ever done during teaching, that's for sure. And it was only a quarter. Right. But did it feel like it was like two school years put together? And I know our music months. teacher, he, yeah. I know our music teacher, he was so amazing. Like he would create songs, like happy songs. I don't remember them right now. And he would post them on our Facebook page and he would send it to kids through their Google classroom. And it was really encouraging for them. Like it always made Eden so happy because he was playing a saxophone and then he would do some, I don't know what he was doing. I'm not technology guru. <laughs> I can I do enough to just get it. But he was playing his saxophone, and he would be in like five different windows, so it's like oh, he yeah. played it five times. I think it might be the acapella. Anyway, so mm-hmm. oh, it was so cool. So he did that like three or four times through it, and it really encouraged kids and made them made them feel like they're connected with him again, but also made them feel like. I don't know. It was just a pick me up. And then our PE mm-hmm. teacher, Love he that. would do like weekly challenges on Facebook. So the kids still got to see our specials teachers. Anyway, try to do what we could. Yeah. No, it I was hard, that. but we tried to make the best of it. Yeah. I know a lot of music teachers and I want to, I want to talk about this because going back into the fall, a lot of them don't know what their teaching situations are going to look like yet, as is any teacher. And so when it comes to providing ways for kids to make music, I've just been encouraging them. Like, I love that you said the music teacher at Eden school does that is he just was creating happy songs and just wanting the kids to just sing or listen to him playing music. And that I feel like is what it should be right now because teachers need to realize that the kids are going through so much, uh, like emotionally, mentally, it's confusing to them. It's they're missing school. And it's hard for them to get through their regular classroom work right now too, because like you just said, you're a working parent and you have to get your work done. And so does your husband. And so helping her get her schoolwork done sometimes is really hard. So music teachers, like you said, just provide ways for kids to learn music or participate in music, even without the parents help. Would you agree with that, Geraldine? Just like give them something they can do without you having to help her with it as a music teacher. Yeah, our governor, I don't know how it is in all the states, but our governor in Arkansas told specials teachers, support staff, which is me, that we were to not create anything extra 
mm-hmm. for kids to just do things to support classroom teachers. Mm-hmm. Will not be the case at all. We can't not teach kids again, but um, and get paid for it. Right. But um, that's what he told them to do. So that was their way of abiding by the directive and also still being engaged. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It depends on the state. It depends on your district, your school, even just, you need to look at the requirements you have, do that, but then also remember to not overwhelm children too, you know, but they still need to learn, like you said. So I want to know this, just give some pointers for parents who are teaching from home, but also are a parent. Do you have anything when Eden was done with schoolwork or even as you go into the fall, if you're doing the same situation again, what, what did you have her do while you were finishing up work? And if it was just technology, this is a no judgment zone because I'm raising my hand. We've done a lot of that over here too. So, or were you just clear with your instructions or did she just kind of fall into a new routine or what, any ideas you have around that? My daughter is a very much planner. Let's make her has to know what's happening. She doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't have the global idea. Um, so after play, praying and thinking through how to use the COVID to meet her specific learning style or personality, every morning I would sit down and make a, I don't know, like a checklist on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And um, it involved things with her work, her schoolwork, her technology schoolwork, you know, the paper pencil schoolwork. And then also I would put things on there like make a card to mail someone. Mm. Um, go do she would always have brain time every day which was either a puzzle or a craft yeah Um, she had to pick up usually like something random like two groups of 18 toys in your room so she was working through some mathematical ideas too but also busy doing something anyway once she got through her whole list that involves school personal and two or three chores then she was able to turn on the tv or iPad, or play outside, whatever. Yeah, she got to choose. But usually that got us through um, the whole day when we were zooming, mm-hmm. and it worked out well. But it took us like three weeks to figure that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are great ideas. I love the whiteboard idea. I love the yeah. She her, would go yeah. over there and mark it off herself, so she was able to. I don't know. It helped her to feel successful mm-hmm. and being, being in charge of her day without, you know, now yeah. she would interrupt us, <laughs> but you know, it, it helped that she could read and right. she knew what she could read what the list said. Anyway, that was a huge lifesaver mm-hmm. for us. So. Well, and I love that you said too, that it took you, I don't love that it took you three weeks, but I love that you were honest about that because, uh, it, that's normal for it to, like, this is brand new. It was just, you're trying to learn what to do. And it was very stressful for you. I know it was because you wanted to be back in your school building, the actual building itself. And, and then it was stressful for her because she's missing her friends and it, it was her kindergarten year and she's missing out on all those last, you know, last end of the year memories, kindergarten graduation, which is hard. And so it was just, it takes time, but yeah. I love that you said that. Give yourself time and patience. Be graceful with yourself because it's not going to be perfect and it's just going to take some time to figure it out sometimes. So 
Geraldine, thank you so much, sister. I love you. I appreciate you coming on. This has really been a good conversation, and I know everybody listening in is going to get a lot from this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love for you to review the show and leave a rating on iTunes. To find out more about how I can help you gain momentum in your elementary music teaching career, head to thedomesticmusician.com where you'll find free downloads, courses, the blog, and so much more. Continue teaching music and never doubt the impact you're making each and every day in the lives of your students.